Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. So I've got good news. This is the last time I'm going to talk about politics for a long time. Now, I know some of you are be like, but it's still not over. If you're unaware, somehow you have just mysteriously been hiding and you don't know about what's supposed to happen this week. Uh, I'm, my goal is that this message will help prepare us all. So I am going to share what I've been doing and what I plan to do regarding the whole voting thing. So I hope that piques your interest a little bit. But we're going to have fun, but we're going to finish this. So, so I do want to make sure we're all feel welcome, though, to, to the fellows at RCMU. We're so glad that you're a part of this. We're cheering you on. To everybody at East, you're kicking tail, and I mean that in the holiest of all senses. But you're doing awesome at East and West. You guys rock, too. So let's do this. We've been each weekend trying to put in front of everybody one of our elected officials. Some of you are like, how do you select them people? And there's no agenda, no trying to get anybody elected. We went to the folks who were already elected, and we went to D.C., and they gave us time. They let us interview them. And so we've shown you Senator Thune, Representative Nome. And so, of course, we're going to finish. You, if you're going, like, if, I hope you know who's elected. But you're like, okay, no, no, you're going to maybe know him as one of our, our former governors. But Senator Rounds let us sit down with him and, and ask him very direct questions. And he gave us very direct answers. And we thought across this series it would be helpful as you and I think about who you're going to elect and how that's going to play out knowing who the folks are as best as we can ask, uh, who they are, who's already been elected. So sit back, get comfy. This is the last one. It's the last one, okay? So, <laughs> so sit back, get comfy, and, and just and watch my interview with Senator Rounds. I'm curious, just from a leadership standpoint, uh, what you have learned as a leader, as, uh, from leading other people to just you personally, just as in a, in a world or maybe the category of leadership, what have you learned? It's amazing how many people want to accomplish the same goals that we do. Sometimes we don't talk about it because we wonder whether or not we're thinking about things that other people aren't thinking about. And yet up here, there are so many individuals that want to see the same things fixed and we're all trying to figure out how to get it done. And this system is dysfunctional. It's broken. But there's people up here that are really trying hard to make it work better than the way that they found it. I love your perspective. I'd love to hear some of maybe the embarrassing moments, but even some of the, the meaningful moments so far that you just reflect on and say, that was funny, but 
even the super special ones already. Would you mind sharing some of those sure, with us? Sure. I think one of the places where it was not really embarrassing, but it was, uh, I mean, you feel self-conscious is we, we actually do a prayer breakfast every Thursday or every Wednesday morning. And, and on Wednesday mornings, uh, we get together and there's, oh, anywhere from 18 to 25 of us that get together. And uh, they introduce one of the members and then they tell a story about them and so forth. And they do quite a bio. And I remember last year, the first time that I was in and I was being introduced to the group, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, you're pretty self-conscious about it because they do their research. They talk to teachers and they talk to your family and the whole bit. So they were basically talking about, well, he was a good, he was part of a good Catholic family with, with nine brothers and one sister and two stepbrothers and a stepsister. And, and so, you know, you kind of realize that they've done their homework and they're, and, and they're, and they're visiting back and forth. But uh, uh, to be able to sit down with the other folks and have them ask questions of you and where your faith comes from and, uh, you know, what it means in your life and so forth, that was pretty special. And I really hadn't expected to find that in the United States Senate. But that's one of the places where Republicans and Democrats alike get together and, and, and learn about one another. And, and these are some very, very good people up here. Does your faith affect anything that you do as a senator? On a daily basis. You know, I, I was raised Catholic. Uh, it's still the, the, an issue for us is, is that you, you have to trust in the Lord. Uh, you don't know what, what the good Lord has in mind for you. But you've got to go into it with an attitude of joy. Up here, that's really important to, to have that sense. And so uh, uh, for me, yeah, every day something comes up where you look at it and it's a matter of faith and, and you, your, your Christian beliefs, your beliefs in the good Lord and his ability to offer wisdom and the need to ask for the wisdom and to say thank you for the gifts that he allows us to use. But recognize that we've got an obligation here too to use them wisely. What is something you would want to share that you've you've just have learned? And I would tell you, uh, it can't it doesn't have to be relegated to just just life as a senator. But what's one thing that you would like to pass on? There's a whole lot more in terms of good people in this world that really want things to work than there are people that want to be disruptive. And sometimes we've got to take the time to draw them out and to help them to to, to achieve everything that they want to achieve. But Think about what happens when the dynamics are that there's more than one person gathering together to get something done. And the talents that individuals have, unless we search them out, sometimes they're not evident. What I found have been marvelous opportunities to grow and to, to build a, in a team simply because we've taken the extra time to learn just exactly what other people have to offer. And, and uh, when you look for that good in other people, you find it. All right, these are the super serious. I'm all just right, joking. All right, here these we go. are not serious at all. Um, and if you don't have an answer, you don't have to offer one. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Two times. Okay. Three times. Okay. All day long. That's I, I really like you quite a bit. Uh, books or movies? Probably movies. Um, with computers, PC or Mac? Probably Mac, iPhone style. Yeah. I, everything I do up here is done on an iPhone. Sausage or bacon? Both. <laughs> this is great. If you had to lose one or the other, internet or cell phone? If I lose the internet, I'll keep the cell phone. Last one, talk, the ability to talk to animals or speak every foreign language. Oh man. Probably speak every foreign language. That might get you further. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. It really does mean, I know you're busy, but thanks for what you do. It means a lot to us. 
And uh, we hope that uh, you just continue at it. Now, I know as, as a grown-up, I'm supposed to tell you that it was a wonderful privilege to get to sit down with them and, and have a heart-to-heart. But really, my favorite part was the either-or questions. It just to see them, and you don't, you don't get to see all the footage, but sometimes squirm, like, are you, is this on camera? Yeah, it's on camera. Maybe one day we'll put it all together and show everyone. But, uh, you know, it's not fair that the politicians got to play either or, and you didn't. So, for your enjoyment, because I think we are in a, an either or kind of a season, I thought I would let you play the game, so get yourselves ready. You can scream out the answers, or maybe you shouldn't. I don't know, but I, I have some help. <laughs> Let's just say, you know, hypothetically, that you're in a situation and trying to decide who or what do I do. And if you're not sure, let's do either or. Here's the game. Let's say you were to make pancakes and find out you don't have syrup, or you put some cereal in a bowl and there's no milk. You got to decide which one's worse, which, which, which one's worse. I don't know. You conclude yourself. You don't have to share it with your neighbor because it might start a fight. But okay, so some of you are like, okay, I don't do any of that. David, it's loaded with sugar and carbohydrates. And okay, 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 here. Uh, no cable or no Wi Fi. Ooh. See, some of us are like, you, again, you're starting to create some enemies. Okay, okay. Uh, let, let me, let's go. Would you, would you rather. Uh, Bite your tongue or stub your toe? Which, which one? You got to think through this. Some of you are fast to draw. You're like, oh, I got this. I've already processed this. Okay, let's do it if I want. Let's say getting fired or break, getting broke up with. You know, I don't know which, which one. See, you know, you know these two are they're, they're ruining the mood, okay? They're ruining. All of a sudden, you guys just changed and everything got all bad. So we'll kick them out of the house here, okay? Uh, so, 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 yes, yeah. <laughs> See, here's what's fascinating. Because I think you're having the same conversations I'm having, where people are figuring out which poison to pick. Or they feel like, you know, the old adage between a rock and a hard place, and you're like, both are not good. What it's done is it's pressed you and I, because I have yet to meet anybody who is super ecstatic, like is a dream come true that they get a vote for whomever they're going to vote for. Here's what's going on. It's called a dilemma. If you don't know what that is, I went to the dictionary. This is not just a current thing I made up, but this is in the books. Dilemma, a bad dilemma, a choice between two equally unappealing options. Yes, welcome to the conversation that some have been having for over a year or, or just recently. We're in this moment of a dilemma, and it's now brought us to the point that it's, uh, you've got choices and you're looking at me or you're looking at your friends or your, your spouse or radio stations or I don't know where you, you go, what do I do? I mean, this has been one of the most asked questions I've had lately, not how do you get to heaven, uh, it's who do you vote for, David? And it's brought us to a place that I think we need to have a conversation. In fact, that's how I wanted us to land on this. That's how I wanted us to go at this, because if you have not resolved, and listen very closely, if you have not resolved what to do when you have two choices and you don't like either one, you need to know that for the rest of your life, it will happen again. If you're not living life long enough yet, you'll recognize that a part of life, yay, is when you don't like either choice. 
But you've got to figure out what's the response to that. And we can leverage this moment in history where most of us are like, I don't like any of the choices. What do I do? And some of us, we think everything has collapsed and this is a current problem. It's not really a current problem. I love to do this with us as a church is to show you and I that our lives regarding our problems aren't near as unique as you and I think they are. And in fact, if you were to go way back in history, way back in history, there were two kingdoms that existed. One was the kingdom of Israel. One was the kingdom of Judah. These people that lived in the midst of these kingdoms get the tagline, the title God's people. I mean, that's pretty sweet, okay? If you get called God's people, God's loved people, you can assume and infer pretty quickly that God likes you. God's cool with you. In fact, God's the one who delivered these people out of slavery from Egypt and did incredible things like divided a sea, did, fed them from the sky. I mean, it's amazing. So God did that with them. Now, now what you and I got to understand is, oh, <clears throat> that must have meant that everything was good. Everything was right. Huh? <laughs> and in fact, historically, we learned that Many of the leaders of the kingdom of Israel, God's people, the kingdom of Judah, God's people, were horrible people. And Okay, you're looking at me like I'm assessing this myself. No, watch. Here's what the Bible says. Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. Sounds good. Sounds awesome. I bet things were, oh no, Judah did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Well, that's just the easy part. Let's keep going. There's more. In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, don't get like names for your kids out of this stuff, Abijah came, became king of Judah. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his forefather, had been. So not a good leader. Nadab, son of Jeroboam, so you're getting the whole thing that don't, became king of Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. There's more. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, son of Ahijah, became king of all Israel in Terzah, and he reigned 24 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. I hope you're getting the drift here. Uh, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He's like, oh, I can one-up you. And that's just a glimpse. That's just a glimpse of the leaders of God's people. Some of us would think, why did God let bad people lead his people? Because there's things about God that, frankly, we don't get. There's things about life that you and I don't understand. And to give you a little assessment, most theologians believe 31 of the 39 leaders of the king of Judah and Israel, 31 of the 39, some would argue 32 of the 39, were evil. Were horrible people. Like, when they say evil, you're talking horrible things. So if you think that our dilemma of not knowing who to vote for has all of a sudden sprung on us going, this is so different than what, no, 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 it's not. Because what I'm trying to point out is, is that if you think all of the hope of mankind rests in what goes on with this election, you are wrong. And I love how history helps correct us. Some of us have lost our minds over this. And we think literally that Jesus is coming back Wednesday morning. And I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, our problem, our dilemma should not wreck your life. It should not dominate your life. But it is for some of us. Now, some of you are like, well, the election actually has been no big deal for me. And I understand that. Okay, okay. But you probably understand dilemma. Maybe your dilemma is not the election. Maybe it's medical news. And the options the doctor gives you, you leave going, I don't like any of those options. Maybe it's in your relationship, whether it's a marriage or, or with your kids or at work or just a friend, and you don't like the options that are in front of you. What do you do when the options are not good? And I would say many of us, it changes us, not in a good way. So let me ask you the question. I think this is pertinent. What has your current dilemma done to you? Whether it's the election, whether it's health relation, maybe it's financial. What has your current dilemma done to you? And let, let, let me help you. You may not be able to answer that self, yourself. You may have to nudge somebody be like, hey, just be honest. And, and, and you're going to have to accept what they say. But, but what has your current dilemma done? Some of, we're losing our minds. Let me, let me give you an example. Hopefully this will resonate with some of us. When I was nine, I mean, I, when I was nine, just you know, as an exceptional, no, I was not an exceptional kid, I was a horrible kid, but when I was nine, my dad and I, one of the things that my dad and I would do, we would go play golf. He taught me how to play golf. I loved to play golf. It, it, was, it was great father-son time. So we went out and played golf. I was nine years old, been playing for about a, about a year at that time, and, and I'll never forget this. I, remember, I can picture the golf course. We were living in Indiana. We're on the golf course. First hole, we had hit our tee shots, and we were going to our shots. And I'm lining up, getting ready to hit my shot. I mean, I'm nine. It's probably, I'm, I'm, I'm testing, you know, the wind. It's going to go in the cup for sure. Um, if you don't know golf, you're like, get over this illustration. But, um, so I'm nine, getting ready to hit the ball. And then all of a sudden, as I'm getting ready to, um, a, a bee flies by my face. Now, most of you are, are mature and, and strong people. <laughs> and you don't have a whole lot of fears. Uh, Things that can sting me just happen to be one of my I don't enjoy moments in life. And so it flew by, and I was like, fine, I don't like that, okay. And I just kind of readdressed the ball, and uh, it flew by again. And this is like so close that you can hear it, right? This isn't like, I think I saw, no, no, I can hear it. And it is attacking me. I mean, you think about it. Have you ever had this where your mind just starts to plug in puzzle pieces that do not exist? But then it flies by a third time. And I'm convinced that this is no normal bee. This is like a dinosaur bee. This is an enormous bee. This might be the size of a bird. I'm not sure, but it's enormous, and it's calling its friends, and I'm about to die. See, things just go crazy, okay? So some might conclude, David, it's not a big deal. Some are like, okay, just stand still. It'll leave you alone. Yes, good, intelligent responses. I'm nine. So like any good nine-year-old, I take my very high-pitched nine-year-old boy voice, and I scream as loud as I can. Now, I'm on a golf course, and there are other people. Like, we typically would golf on the weekends, so there's people all over the place, and I am screaming as loud as my voice will scream. My dad's looking at me weird. Things are going, there's people on the next hole. It's going crazy, and I would love to tell you that that's as bad as it got. Nope. Because not only am I screaming at this high-pitched, piercing voice, I start to run because I think in my head, I'm going to outrun this bee. <laughs> so I try to outrun the bee that's 
attacking me or maybe not. I'm going across holes all over the place. And I think about this. Can you imagine the stories of the other people that they're going home? Hey, honey, how was, how was golf today? The weirdest thing, this kid went nuts. And he was going all over the golf course screaming. And can you imagine the story? So, so eventually, eventually, after... After I'm able to escape and get to my dad say, you will not believe what just happened. And, and in fact, I even asked him about it. He's like, I don't even remember what you're talking about, David. And I'm like, this bee, they're all after us. we got to run, dad. And he's like, you're crazy. And I looked around and there were no bees anywhere. Nothing. I have no idea what happened. And I just gave up playing golf that day just for the day. And I, I said, I'll drive the cart. And that's how it went. Now, some of us are like, you're, you're an idiot, David. You're like, I don't know. But some of us emotionally react the same way when you have a dilemma, choices you do not like. Some of you, you take it out on your kids. Don't raise your hand, but chances are about every parent has yelled at their kid for something they didn't really even do. It was just a problem you had during the day. It's a stress level thing, a fatigue thing. I know spouses, you have to own it. Don't raise your hand on that. But I'm telling you, many of us in the midst of our dilemmas are losing our minds and we think that this election season or maybe it's the news you got delivered on some other facet, you're losing your mind and you're going crazy and you don't know what to do. But then there's a whole other group of us. You're like, I'm mature enough, David. I'm not going to lose my mind, at least in front of people. But here's what I've seen a lot of. Dilemmas lead a lot of us to quit or conform. And in fact, I think this is a problem in the United States of America where we look at the options that we have and rather than lose our minds, some of us are, but I think the majority is just quitting or conforming. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, in other words, going, hey, I hate the options, so I just quit. I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. Now, you'll complain about it later on, but right now, and then you're like, no. Or some are saying, hey, whatever, whatever the leadership says, whatever culture says, I'll own it. This is what was happening to the people in Judah and Israel. They would get a new leader that was doing evil, and they're like, hey, whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it, sweet. And they would defy God. They would literally get rid of their morals. Because the leader is like, hey, here's the new way. And you and I have to press into something. What has that dilemma done to you? And some of us are, are quitting, conforming. But I would tell you something about dilemmas that I think if you're old enough and have walked through enough, you know this. Here's what you know. A dilemma can strengthen our hope. A dilemma actually has the power to take what you thought was true in life about hope and lock it in. I mean, if you and I could have just individual conversations, I bet there's a lot of you who would tell me about the dilemma that you had in your life and how you walked through it, and you are stronger now. You are better. Your marriage is better. Your kids are stronger and better. You are a different person in the good sense. A dilemma can strengthen our hope, but it brings me to an illustration that I think will help us. See, here's what a dilemma is like. It's like driving on the interstate and all of a sudden, there's a blizzard. I know none of us in South Dakota relate to this illustration whatsoever. But let's just pretend, no matter where you live, whatever, anything like that, you're driving, and all of a sudden, there's a rainstorm that hits you. There's a blizzard that hits you. There's something and it's going on, and you find yourself going, I can't see very far, which is where a lot of us are right now in life. The dilemma has so much come down on us that we can't see very far, and we don't know what to do. And what I would tell you is you do the same thing you're supposed to do. I don't know. Well, I know that not all of you do this because I've driven on the roads with you. Uh, 
you're supposed to slow down. And I know, that, but David, this is the United States of America. We don't slow down. I'm going to tell you this is where you slow down. But you know if you're a good driver, if you're only if you're a good driver, if you're a good driver, you slow down, but that's not the only thing that you do. You see, you begin to look at the, what's on the right of you and the left of you, the center line and the outside line, and you even have, sometimes have to focus on them and look at them because sometimes that's all that you can see. Maybe you can see some red lights in front of you and you don't want to be too close to them but too far and you can see them, but really your, your vision is impaired in that. You can't see very far. It's cloudy. The dilemma has come in, and so you lock in on what you know to be true, what you, you can rely on. Same thing applies right now. If you have a dilemma and you don't like the choices and it seems like a rainstorm has just poured in or a blizzard has hit us and you're like, what do I do? Do I, do I just quit? Do I just literally park in the middle of the road? No. But you slow down and you lock in on what you know to be true. And I'll show you if you are like, I know what is true now. I'll show you. The sun is the image of the invisible God. If you're new to the Bible, you're like, this Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. It gets real good here. All things have been created through him and for him. And this is tattoo worthy or whatever, however you put it in your house, whatever. But he is before all things. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. See, many of us think that our world is unraveling. If you've ever been a part of a family that did unravel, sometimes we think our world is unfolding and unraveling, or maybe it is the election season, and, and you've lost all hope, and, and it stressed you out and got you going crazy, and this dilemma is messing with you, and it is my role, and I love it, by the way. I haven't been a pastor very long, about eight and a half years now. But what I have learned my role, my privilege, is that when some of us have lost grip with reality, when some of us are paying too much attention to what's on the news or what other people think, it is my role, and I will own it in this season, to bring us back down to reality, understanding that whatever happens in this election does not change who holds things together. See, God existed before the United States of America, and he will exist if there is an after, and he holds it together. The president doesn't. Their cabinet doesn't. It is important. It is important to elect the people that you should elect. I mean, for some crazy reason, God involves you and I. Sometimes I wish he would just be like, push the buttons, man. Like, just, just do what's supposed to happen. But he involves you and I. And leadership, we know for, as a fact, is important. You should vote, and you should vote for the people that are best for those roles. But those people do not hold in their hands your hope. And never buy into it otherwise. So what do we do with this? Well, King David... <laughs> A lot of times had dilemmas. Uh, some he caused himself, and some he just came upon. Watch, watch this. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. See, some of us, we bought into this lie. We've seen enough conversation, post-debates. We've read enough. 
we've processed enough that we've begun to think that the President of the United States is our rock. And I would tell you they are not. But maybe again, that's not you. Maybe the election is not even the hot topic in your heart. Can I help? I'm going to help you, hopefully. The doctor is not your rock. Your health is not your rock. Your kids, your kids are not your rock. Your spouse is not your rock. Your job is not your rock. Your account balance is not your rock. Your school, your friends, your grades, whatever you want to put in. I mean, we all are guilty of this, right? We've all put a lot of things in place right here. Every one of us, myself included, where, where you kind of put your hope, not, you know you're not supposed to, but you do it anyways, and you put a lot, you press it in, and you put whatever fills in there. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible is clear. God has been clear. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my delivery. It keeps going. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So whatever dilemma you are currently facing, I will tell you something very clearly and watch. Your dilemma is not the most important thing in your life. It's who is your rock. Because whatever you put all of your trust in will actually reveal where your hope comes from. Now, now I know some of us have, have different dilemmas going on. But I did want to leave this space to talk about our current dilemma. I know a lot of times like, a church should not talk about politics and, and who to vote for and how to this. But I do think this is pertinent. And so we as a church have decided to lock in on this moment, not to tell you who to vote for, but how to vote. So, so I'm just going to be very, very vulnerable with you right now. I don't like what I have to do this week. I have not found joy in it. I am not excited about it. And when I get done voting, I will probably feel slightly nauseous. But I think a lot of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. I haven't yet met someone who's ecstatic about this. Uh, and if they are, I'm concerned for their health. But, but most of us are like, we're, we're going, I don't know what to do. In fact, some of you are like, I'm not doing anything, David. I don't like this dilemma, so I'm backing off. I'm quitting. And I would tell you, be careful. So, so here, I'm just going to tell you the steps I've taken. Now, I think you can even press this in to any dilemma that you're in, but I've been pressing this in. What am I going to do? So here, here's what you do. Start the dilemma conversation with God. Now, some of you are like, I have. I asked him to fix this. <clears throat> I understand. I, I have prayed that as well. Uh, but I will tell you, all evidence leads to we will have a president elected. And God has already intervened, I would believe, by sending Jesus to die for our sins. And so I would tell you, if you have not already, you need to press in regarding what you're going to do and start the dilemma conversation with God. Now, here, you may not know this about the Bible. The Bible gives us clear instruction on this. The Bible tells us that there is both wisdom and discernment available for you and I, but you and I have to ask. Like, why didn't he just load me up, like, like download God? I, I, no, because there's a relationship there. And the Bible actually gives us clear instruction that if you want wisdom, if you want discernment, you're supposed to ask for it. 
And the only way to ask for that is to pray. And I'm like, well, but where's, where's the prayer written down? I would not pray a written prayer. I would just cry out to God, say, God, I need wisdom. In fact, I've been praying, God, I need unusual wisdom. And because even, even this is attributed to Joseph, which is a whole other story in the Bible, but that we believe that Joseph had unusual wisdom gifted to him by God. And I want that. But you have to ask for that. And so I know some of us are praying, God, please just send Jesus right now. Like, just end it before we have to vote. And I would tell you, unlikely, <laughs> pray for wisdom. If you have not already prayed for wisdom, pray for wisdom. That's what I've been doing. There's another step. Gather truth, not opinions. See, some of us have, have relegated to this. Okay, okay, I don't know who to vote for. I don't know how to do this. And you turn on the news. I do not mean to break your heart. But whatever any news station, are we clear on this? Whatever any news station tells you, you need to know that there is a bias there. And so many of us are relying on what the press is telling us. And there are many ways to find out truth, especially in the world of information that we live in. So gather truth, not opinions. That means don't just, hey, coworker, what are you doing? Because I'll just, you know, whatever. Whatever you do. No, gather truth. Look for truth. You have to go to websites. You have to look at past history. You have to look at a lot of things you're going to have to do. And this was what stinks about voting now. We have to do homework before we vote now. There used to be an era. You're like, no, that's just a good person. So I'm just going to try. That's a good person. And so, so I know that. I'm going to trust in them. And, and so we voted that way. Not anymore. Those days are over. You and I now have to do homework. I have had to sit down and make notes and process. You're like, how do you make notes? I literally have looked at what does the Bible say about these issues and compared them. Now, here's something fun. You may want to use a website. It's called isidewith.com. Now, I say this is fun, and I, I mean that. I, I did this, but I, I need to warn you. If you go to that, you fill out all the questions they ask you, they're going to tell you percentage of who you align with the most, and they'll show you all the candidates. Do not take this as my wisdom to you saying, hey, whatever it tells you, do it. No, but it does help you get a little honest about what you truly believe and what you've locked on to. And as you begin to look for truth, not opinions, you have to figure out what you believe and press it in. That's not the last step. There's another step. Choose convictions, not preferences. We live in an era where we have started to vote on our politicians based on our preferences, not our convictions. Who's going to give me what? And most of us be like, that sounds bad. I agree with you. But that's why some have fallen into the trap of promising things that they could never fulfill. But they're trying to appeal to your preferences. And I would tell you and guard you, say, I'm going to choose convictions. Now, now, the Bible helps unfold this. I'll show this just as you vote or whatever. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Your convictions, not your preferences. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above. Not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. So when you go to vote, you got to, I know this is not always fun, but you have to put your preferences to the side. I'm going to tell you right now, I've voted on people that if they get elected, which they did, it hurt me. It was not good for me, but it did not compromise my convictions. 
So let me just play out this. If you're like, David, what convictions are you bringing into this? Uh, One, I have a conviction that anyone and everyone matters. I really believe that. I really believe that you matter and that I matter and that anyone and everyone matters. And you're thinking, well, well, okay, that makes sense. No, I believe that anyone God has ever created matters to God. If you're not tracking, whenever God creates you, whether you're still in mom's tummy or you've been born, anyone and everyone matters. There's another conviction. <laughs> I, think, I think if you can work, you should. I know you're like, what? No, I, I think if you can work, you should. I think you should actually, like, if, you're fee- if you're, your, your body lets you, you should work, and, and, and that actually gives you something in your soul that you can be proud of. In fact, I think when we give free handouts to anybody and everybody, if you just give free, I think you degrade that person. I think if we can help people get back onto their feet, that's good. I, I'm stealing this from, from the Bible. Uh, Proverbs 14, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So let me land on perhaps what might be the most controversial step I'm going to take. Vote. I refuse to quit. I refuse to conform to a group that says, do nothing. I'm going to vote. Now, some are like, oh, because of tradition. No, no, no. Because I refuse to let my kids think I'm a coward. I would tell you, if you have the privilege to speak into the future of something, and because you don't like the options, you're like, well, I've got nothing to say, until actually it happens, and then I'm going to speak up about it. You're either a coward or a hypocrite, and I don't like either one. And so, I'm going to vote. Because I want to demonstrate to my kids and to my bride and frankly to you that I am not a kind of a leader that backs off of dilemmas. Because I believe that what you and I experience in life nowadays is something that we can change. And so I've considered who these candidates are. I've considered who they will put around them, who they will put in different roles of leadership. And that is how I'm going to vote. Now, here's the problem with this whole voting conversation. I knew bringing it up, some of us would uh, lose hope again. <laughs> Wait a minute, go back to like the rock stuff. Like Jesus is our rock. So, so to help us all back, get back, back set, I'll take you to another place. This is the bookend. Here we go. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. I love this. Some of us think a certain candidate might be the source of light. no. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let me be very clear with you. Next weekend, the mission that we've had this weekend to show people who Jesus is, whoever's president doesn't change our mission. It doesn't matter who ever gets elected. Some who get elected will make it easier for us to show people who Jesus is, and some will make it extremely difficult. But you need to know that our church strongly believes that our hope, our joy in life does not come from who is in office. It comes from Jesus Christ, who is not only the rock, but the light. And so as you 
vote, which I hope if you call yourself a fountain springer, that you will look at this dilemma of two unappealing options and that you will make a choice based on your convictions. But I hope that you'll press it in and demonstrate to a world who desperately needs people to lead. Now, I thought the best way to end this whole series is obviously a nursery rhyme. It made the most sense to me. So, so if you're going, what do I do? What do I do? Well, that's, let's use Humpty Dumpty. Let's use Humpty Dumpty as a bit of help for us to know what we should do with this next week. So sit back and listen to this pastor who got recorded and, we, and got all this graphics put together and it helps you and I. So Humpty Dumpty, help us know what to do. There's a famous nursery rhyme that simply goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mr. Dumpty's world had become shattered and he needed it fixed. But he didn't go to his friends or his family or even his church. He went to the White House. Now we know he went to the White House because the king got involved. The king was sympathetic to Mr. Dumpty's dilemma, so he called a meeting of Congress. We know Congress got involved because all the king's men got involved. But the tragedy of the nursery rhyme is when it was all said and done, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It is unfortunate today that far too many believers are expecting the solutions to our problems to land on Air Force One. I'm taken to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is doing reconnaissance around the walls of Jericho. He looks over and he sees the captain of another large army dressed in battle array. Now Joshua's mama didn't raise a dummy. He wanted to know whose side are you on? Because if you're on our side, then we got help against Jericho. But if you're on their side, we've got double trouble. So before I go out here and make a fool of myself, whose side are you on? That's when the captain says to him, I think you are confused. I'm neither on your side, nor am I on their side. I'm captain of the Lord's army. I did not come to take sides. I come to take over. is God does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. That if you're a Democrat, the best you can do is vote Democrat light, L-I-T-E. Or Republican light, L-I-T-E, because your job is to bring the either one, the L-I-G-H-T. Your job is to represent another king in another kingdom. You and I belong to another kingdom. Let's represent the kingdom.